This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Madam Barrel's Continental Beauty Salon, conveniently located upstairs at Grace Brothers. Buy three hair tints and you get your fourth color free. Hair like you're not included. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hey, Unanimous! <laughs> We've got the bell! Hey, Unanimous! How's everybody doing? How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing okay. It is the middle of July. Uh, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, you still need to wear your mask. You still need to wash your hands. And you still need to remember that Black Lives, Black Lives Matter. Matter. Yes, that's, that's very good. We're thinking the same thing there, Jeff. Um, yeah. It's warm. You know, what can we do? But you know what? We've got this fabulous TV show to watch every week, and I'm very thankful for that. And we've got t- uh, dozens of friends hundreds, around the world. Hundreds, he means. Hundreds now. Thousands. <laughs> Don't press your luck. Millions. Um, of uh, friends around the world who are watching with us and who yeah. tune in to hear what we have to say once a week. So uh, we're really grateful for all of our super fans out there. Yeah, we've always said that like it's a lot of fun to record the the show and when you – perform live music or, you know, do a painting, you want people to appreciate it. So when we hear comments and voicemails and all that kind of stuff, we love it. So thank you very much for everyone who's reached out to us. And we have some people to shout out. Do we not, Jeff? We have some new people who started listening to us recently. We've got uh, Anna, Ursula, Raymond, Lisa, Michelle, Holly. Thank you so much for giving us a chance. What's up, everybody? Hearing what we've got to say about this little show that's 50 years old. Yeah, and you are all called unanimous, if you didn't know. So, what, uh, Lady Gaga has the little critters or whatever Has her monsters. Monsters, little critters. You are all... (laughs) You're collectively called unanimous. And you have to pause very briefly like that. The unanimous, like that. (laughs) In case you ever have to refer to yourselves. Yeah, and we actually got a shout uh, shout out. Uh, Superfan Julia also mentioned us on the podcast. Superfan, which is uh, I think a Facebook group about podcasts. So yeah, so hopefully we get some more forum podcast people. Hello, podcast people. Yeah, yeah, and we also and, heard. Um, yeah, we heard from uh, on the Peacock Hotline. That's right, six six two Peacock. 24 hours a day, Northern Mississippi Call Center. We at great expense. Please give it for the voicemail. Um, she is blowing us up, and we love it. <laughs> uh, our friend Kimberly from Houston, Texas. Don't mess with Texas, or Kimberly for that matter. Um, so she gave us some really cool tips that we mentioned on the last episode about, uh, what was the episode again? Um, up Captain Peacock? Is that the last uh, one we did? Last week was Up Captain, up Captain Peacock, Peacock. Yeah. We talked about voter suppression, and we kind of went into this little political. Oh, Cold Store. It was Cold Store. Cold Store. Oh, you're so right. Sorry, everyone. St- stop writing the angry tweets. Um, anyway, I talked about voter registration and how important it is this election in the states where there's so much voter uh, suppression uh, happening. And um, Kimberly left this amazing voicemail at the Peacock hotline, 662 Peacock. Um, I love saying that. Can you tell? <laughs> uh, anyway, she was going on about um, – not going on, but she was giving some really good uh, advice about what to do if you're almost 18 but not quite – so what did she say, Jeff? You kind of... Yeah. yeah. So, so if any of you listeners know someone who is 17 and will turn 18 before November 3rd, because clearly we don't have any teenagers listening to this because we've got an explicit label yes, on our podcast. Exactly. So if you know someone who is turning 18 before November 3rd this year, they can register now to vote. Um, usually in a lot of states, the principals are required to make sure that their 17-year-olds register to vote, much like selective service, but with oh, the pandemic. Oh, you mean in the schools? In the school, yeah. I didn't realize that. So that that's what Kimberly mentioned, that like if yeah. all the schools, the principals are supposed to get all of the 17-year-olds registered in time. I didn't realize in, that. In some states, it's the, it's a, uh, the principal's job to do that. Uh, oh, but cool. because of the pandemic, that likely didn't happen. Mm. So um, go out and do it yourselves now. 
Uh, Kimberly also told us that um, she's experienced voter suppression herself at least three times in her lifetime. And she's a, um, you know, she's a white woman who's who's about is about our age. You know, so, um, you know, what uh, if you're registered to vote, even if you have voted, uh, take a break now. We'll wait. Take a break now and check your local uh, election board rolls. Make sure that you're still on the rolls as being registered to vote. Um, take a screenshot of it or print it out. And then about two weeks before election day, check again. Put a reminder in your calendar and check again uh, because they are, you know, the, the people that um, want to stay in power are removing people from the from the Purging from rolls. voter rolls, yeah. Yeah. So, um Regardless of what state you live in, regardless of how you vote, although I think Brandon and I are pretty clear about how we'd like you to vote, um, it's important that you vote and get and make your voice heard. Uh, and if they if they appear to have removed you, show up on election day anyway and demand a provisional ballot. It is your right in every single state to cast a provisional ballot. Yeah, and I'll just say like. For those of, of the folks, we have a lot of international listeners in Canada and Greece and Australia and stuff. Um, if you are thinking, like, what the hell are these Americans doing? Like, they're having the COVID going crazy. They're just running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Is that Arkansan of me to say? I don't know. And now no, they're but like, that's, that's pretty accurate to describe the Yeah, that's, that's the United States branch. right now. And now they're trying to make it in more impossible for people to vote. But that's the system we have, and that's what we have to deal with. So what we'll do is we will pause briefly for you to go to your county secretary of state's office or whatever and verify if you are in, uh, already enrolled to vote. Uh, because sometimes, like the twenty, let me think. So the twenty eighteen election, that was the one after the Trump election in twenty sixteen. So if you voted for in the twenty sixteen election, but you skipped the last one in twenty eighteen, a lot of states were like, oh, they obviously don't want to vote. Purge from the system. So when you go to vote for twenty twenty to vote against Donald Trump, um, you won't be able to vote. Unless you take time right now to make sure. So you can go to like, Google and say, like, how to verify if I'm registered to vote in your state. And then you'll get a website and you can double check. So we'll just pause to let you go do that. Ready? You're on the website? Checking it. Enter your name. Okay, good. Fabulous. All right. Fabulous. So, um, yeah, and... Um, Anyway, so thanks to Kimberly for pointing that out to us. And she's a big old voting advocate. So that's cool. So see so, the things we get from the Peacock Hotline. Yeah. Mm. And speaking of, speaking of voting, uh, regardless if you're American or not, you can exercise your right to have your voice heard by going to our Facebook group and voting for our Bell's name. We have this lovely, lovely prop that Brandon has so The Bell much is fun so excited. He's using. saying hi. And um, it needs a name. They need a name. She needs a name. I don't know what gender our bell is. Yep. Um, but right now there are two choices in the lead in the Facebook <laughs> polls. Uh, the first one is a lovely French pun, which takes a little bit of uh, explaining to get to. But I found it hysterical. Uh, Le Bette, which is French for the beast. And if you think of Belle as beauty, beauty and the beast. <laughs> um, and then Gladys is the other name. <laughs> and I don't know where Gladys came from, but I love it. You know, the ether kind of spoke to the Facebook page, the, the, the spirit world. Who knows what happened? But Gladys is choice one and La Bette is choice two. So and I took French as a kid and like we I think we watched um, – Beauty and the Beast in French, like from a 1931 film or something. And it was called La Belle et la Bette. So I thought, okay, what should we call the bell? How about La Bette? So I won't say which one is winning. One is by far ahead. So if you have strong feelings about it, because that's the most important thing. First of all, go register to vote. <laughs> Secondly, go vote on the bell's name. And you do that by Facebook and you find us at That Does Suit Madam. And it's up there. So it's kind of fun. So it's open uh, voting. So if you feel strongly, let your voice be heard in the democracy of our Facebook page. The end. <laughs> 
Speaking of bells, um, now it's time to talk about wedding bells. Ding dong. That's exciting. Isn't that a, I, I'm on fire with these two segues this week. Like, I could like, hold on, let me operator. lick my finger and then touch the air like it's, you know, with Jeff, right? <laughs> um, gee, Jeff, what episode are we talking about this week? This is Series 3, Episode 5, Wedding Bells, and it premiered on March 27th, 1975. Gosh, what was happening that week in history, Jeff? Well, that week in the news, Brandon... It's funny you ask, Brandon. (laughs) um, Chuck Wepner beat Muhammad Ali, uh, which inspired Sylvester Stallone to write Rocky. Oh, so some boxing stuff going on. Exactly. Uh, and also the very first same-sex marriage license in the U.S. was issued in Boulder County, Colorado. Uh, but it was invalidated by the state attorney general, uh, one month later. Wow. But those two guys were, they were technically the first married American couple. I don't know if it was, um, two men or two women. It was two men. Uh, I remember like there's a a thing on Facebook once of like this, this black and white photo of like these nice two, like very nondescript guys and sitting at like some bureaucratic thing filling out a form and i thought that's cool so that's nice that's kind of cool that we found that this happened this week so yeah yeah this is a good episode i will say this is definitely one of molly sugden's like the acting that you can see that she does blows everything out the water like she i want to see her in a dramatic role because of this episode I, I concur. I think this is this. She's definitely the star of this episode. I yeah. think it gave her an, an opportunity to pull off some of her acting chops because uh, all of the attention is focused around her for pretty much the entire episode. Yeah. Um, and it's got classic jokes, uh, a lot of callbacks within the episode. Um, it's just great, and we've got a lot to say about it. So, so why yeah, don't we dive in? Was it like was it la- uh, last? episode where we said like the next three are amazing yeah. and it's we're on a really good run yeah. so let's hop in shall we let's do it um so we open the show with a customer who's looking for a gentleman sweater and he goes to peacock and peacock goes to granger and granger's not available so peacock goes to you know, we go down the whole line and we see the protocol uh firmly in place and finally we get to mr humphreys who mints his way over and asks the customer are you being served Clearly, he's not being served, but that's just <laughs> the way he's programmed to greet the customer. I love the very beginning of the episode starts off, and it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for a, a jumper, a sweater, whatever, okay. But it's so cute to see Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock ask Mr. Granger, and then he's not free, and then Mr. Granger asks Mr. Humphreys, and then he looks around. So every single step, it's like this whole thing, which regimented is regimented so, procedure. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's so predictable, and that's what's so cool about the show is that you know when the jokes are coming, you know when someone says something, and then the camera's on Mr. Humphreys. You know it's going to be a gay joke or something about I haven't seen that vicar for years or something. You know, <laughs> so when <laughs> whenever you see like. The whole, Mr. Mr. Granger, are you free? And then he'll always say, I'm not free. I'm brim steaming at the, or I'm, I'm in the middle of a bowler hat, which is cute because then you picture Mr. Mr. Granger in the middle of a bowler hat, like a giant bowler hat. Um, <laughs> it is so cute. That's, it's, it's just, it's a perfect little beginning to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then over on the ladies' counter, Mrs. Slocum is saying goodbye to her customer. And as soon as she finishes, in the same breath, she continues her gossip with Miss Brahms, right? We're only here to be of service. Well, it got to be half past nine. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, like 20 minutes ago she was talking. Beat, yeah. right? <laughs> so it's hysterical. So we hear a little bit about um, Mrs. Slocum's social life. And um, she's saying that um, her date stood her up last night. So her and Mrs. Axelby. Oh, was, that, the, was that too early? I think it was too late. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. I can start again. No, no, no. It's it's fine. We'll just you know. I need to get better at it. I need to hold on. Let me just <laughs> popping my knuckles. Okay. Let's do. It. Well, well. Next time I'll be better. It's all good. All right. So anyway, <laughs> Mrs. So anyway, Mrs. Axelby. Oh, hold on. Hey, <laughs> the next time. The next time. I people. Se- I set him up for that. People. You Sorry. know, if if the bell had a name, it would help me. So anyway, so I mean, Mrs. Axelby. Yeah. You know, uh, so they went to the Pally for the over 25s night. I love how and she says Pally. The Pally, right. So um, I had always thought of the Pally as um, Palladium. Yeah. Uh, and 
coming from New York City, um, growing up in the 90s, that was, you know, one of the major nightclubs in the city. And that's where we, you know, would go out at nights, you know, get our fake ID and Were go you as a club teenagers. kid, Jeff? I did frequent the Palladium from time to time. See? Um, I knew it. And so I always thought about that that was just a name, a generic name for a nightclub that got named something yeah. as a nightclub. And I know I knew also that they used the word Pally in the King song, Come Dancing. Uh, with hmm. the, um, the, the singer, uh, the character of the song is reminiscing about, um, his, his childhood and his teenage years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they put a parking lot on a piece of land where the supermarket used to stand before that they put up a bowl, a bowling alley on the site that used to be the local pally. Right? Okay. So pally so, is like a, fr- a, a, a dance hall, a place where you go dancing, but this one probably referred to one of, one of two specific pallies. Uh, in London. One was the Hammersmith Palais de Danse, uh, which was called the Pally, which mm-hmm. was a very, very famous uh, nightclub. I've heard of the Hammersmith London. before, yeah. Um, or the Alexandra Palace, uh, which is referred to by its nickname as Ali Pally. Um, <laughs> that's cute. That's, that's a little bit further north, way north London, whereas uh, Hammersmith uh, is a little bit more central, you know, a little bit west of central, but still... Hmm. Like, you know, zone two, whereas the Alley Pally, I think, is in like zone five or something. Again, we're appreciative of all the five star uh, reviews, but this is another <laughs> reason why Jeff pulls it out of the park. It's so cute that I love that. Again, there's that, that English British thing where when you have the opportunity to say façon en, en français, peut-être pas, right? Like if you can say something in French, why not? Um, instead of saying the word dance hall or palace. Name palais it Palais, dance. but you don't say Palais, you say Pally, because that's Pally. what they do there. So it's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so Mrs., Mrs. Slocum and Mrs. Axelby were sitting in a dance club at the, quote, over 25s night. And I love that Mrs. Slocum is like solidly, solidly middle later age, middle age, right? She's probably like 50, I don't know, three? No, well, she, well doesn't she turn 50? 50. In her birthday episode. I'm 46. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but she just looks so much older than over she is, 25. She is not 27, right? No, if Ms. No, no. Ms. Brahms might be 27, right? Yeah. Pally, so anyway. um, after waiting by the dance floor for about 20 minutes, they went to the bar for a few gin and tonics. And Miss Brahms says, oh, no, you didn't get sloshed again, did you? <laughs> I wish she would have in this episode. Remembering, you know, <laughs> the unfortunate incident she had with her rum and pep in last week's episode. Oh, yes. And Mrs. Mrs. Slocum insists, no, no, we just went for a few. But one of them must have been bad because all of a sudden they <laughs> came over all dizzy. And Mrs. Axley had to put me in the back <laughs> of the cab. Hysterical. Oh, I really like, wish she had gotten drunk. Right. Uh. And I think that this is this is a great example of a joke that does age well because there's no hint that Mrs. Slocum has a problem. Um, yeah. She's just she just enjoys herself and doesn't realize sometimes how much she's had. That's so. it could happen to any of us. But drink responsibly. So uh, <laughs> Mr. Mash uh, comes over and interrupts their chat with a delivery of 24 pairs of novelty briefs. Or, as they're known in the bargain basement, Naughty Knickers. Naughty Knickers. Yeah. Uh, uh, they've got some great slogans on them. Uh, if you can read this, you're too close. Hello, Cheeky. I love Elvis. Your flies are undone and no parking, which is, you know, humorous, great. Um, it's Ms. crazy Brahms, to think that in 1975, Elvis was still around. Because wasn't it, didn't he die in 77? August, August, August 16th, 1977. Oh, wow. That's very And good. I, I, I know that because it's related to my birthday. And that's how all I'll say. Vague. I, how vague. Because I, I, I don't want to give it, I, I don't want to give that information away. I don't, just like I'm not going to say what the name of my first pet was or what my first car was because I don't want anyone answering my security challenges for all my online accounts. That's a, okay. Can I just say a podcaster's prerogative here? Um, <laughs> I just made that up. I, I'm on Facebook groups and it's like a social thing and whatever. And people will say, hey, everybody, what's your favorite car? Or what was your first car? So then everyone responds with images of their first car, and they'll say, a 1994 Dodge Caravan, or whatever. 
This is social engineering, people. This is how they get you. We right. are not wearing tinfoil hats. This is literally how thieves figure out how to get your information. Yeah, and then I'll say, like, hey, everyone, don't give the answers to very common security questions on your bank state or whatever. And then someone will say, um, hey, everyone, what what is your um, sign, your astrological sign? And then everyone will put, quite honestly, everyone will put their date of birth. You know, and I'm like, that's not a good thing. So anyway, just watch out out there. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Miss um, Bra- Brahms has her own pair of um, naughty knickers, and they say, in case of emergency, pull down, <gasps> which is quite scandalous for to admit at work that you want to wear that. You know, <laughs> first of all, describing your underwear and describing your naughty underwear. Yeah. Um, to which Mash replies, "Well, that must be worth a five pound fine." I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I assumed it's like a bus thing. I, I, well, I assumed it's what you um, what they would find you for pulling the emergency brake on the tube. Oh, okay. Right. Huh. Um, but Slocum is very repulsed by the idea of these naughty knickers oh, and yes. says, "I wouldn't put them on for a thousand pounds." Well, how much would you take them off for? Bah, oh, Mister Mash. Bah, bah. So, uh, Mrs. Slocum refuses to have anything to do with these vulgar garments, and she tries to get Peacock's attention and says, you know, I should have some say here. Mm. And Peacock says, well, if you won't sell these garments that the buying department selects, no one is irreplaceable. It's interesting, too, at this point, Mrs. Slocum is very kind of – we know her her character is someone who – feels that she, no one is my superior, right? So that's what she famously says all the time. But right. especially, I guess they're contrasting to later in the episode when everyone kind of turns on her. But she's basically saying, uh, I am unanimous in this. Uh, I am like unsinkable Molly Brown. I have my opinion and you can't stop me. So she's very forthright and very proud in these scenes, Right. And she's complained to Miss Brahms about how frustrated she is about the situation, that she's, you know, in her right mind to resign over it. Um, so the action takes us over to the gentleman's counter where the sweater is still there. And clearly <laughs> this sweater is way too small. But Lucas Classic and Humphrey are tr- sort of stuff, yeah. they're, they're trying anyway, right? Uh, and they're saying that... Um, uh, once he he washes the sweater, the fibers will relax, which goes counter to everything that you think because wool shrinks in the wash. But anyway, um, this customer is played by John Clegg, who was from It Ain't Half Hot Mom, and he was married to Mavis Pugh, who was mm-hmm. also on It Ain't Half Hot Mom, Dad's Army, and she was also in one episode of Are You Being Served, which is 50 years on to Mrs. Slocum turns 50. Oh, with the one uh, I just referenced earlier in the episode. Yeah. 50? Which is, I'm 46. Which is, also no, which is also known as the uh, happy birthday uh, 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 episode. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, who did uh, she play, uh, Dave Mavis Pugh, do you know? Probably a customer. Uh, just some random or, person. So again, yeah. we have another example of the David Croft um, other guy. Jeremy Lloyd. Jeremy Lloyd. Jeremy David Lloyd's Croft. troop. Troop. Like, they just use the same people. Because... Why would you not if you knew them and they were all yeah. kind of friends? So that's cool. Um, so the customer is a little concerned about the small sweater because he wanted it for golfing. Um, he has a very small handicap, <laughs> <laughs> which in golf is a good thing. But uh, Mr. Humphreys is got this disappointed reaction. Oh, I see. <laughs> and I know it, that's so weird because like, as a kid, I'm like, I don't know why that's funny. But the fact that he's making a funny look makes it funny and i to this day i'm not really sure but i know it has something to do with pp or something yes yes that's exactly what the joke is um (laughs) so lucas is trying to explain why this the sweater is so small uh it comes from the tension in the wool it comes from nervous sheep that live near a firing range (laughs) that's amazing how absurd is that and I love that, like, the stupid customer is like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. It's ridiculous. And so, they're like, oh, you know, it's, it'll be fine. It'll stretch after the first wash. Um, you know, wool doesn't shrink because otherwise the sheep, the sheep would also shrink in the rain. Like, they are telling the tallest tales anything to make the sale. And the customer's, 
you know, he's not really buying all of it. He he wants the next size. Well, here, hold on a then, second. So have you are you telling me you've never been in a sales situation, in a retail setting, and you were told a whole pack of lies, and you knew the person was just like, I really need to make this sale. I know of an example. You must have too. Well, I'm sure I have been, but never as absurd as it's nervous <laughs> sheep that live near a firing range. That's just amazing. Like, I know I've been told, you know, I, I've been told um, false information about a refund policy. Oh, like, yeah. That's... You, could, you could bring it back, but it won't make any difference. <laughs> like they do um, on the show. Um, I know I've been told that they haven't got the next size, which may or may not have been true. But I, don't, I can't recall uh, being told anything so outrageous. Well, okay, so I, I'll have I was, to say. Yeah. So there's two, and I'll be quick about it. I was at a some fancy like department store in New York, or I, I think it was um, not Saks because that's too expensive. Bloomies, maybe Off's. Bloomingdale's or something. I don't know. Maybe Saks Off Fifth. I don't know. Gimbals. Gimbals. <laughs> yes, Mr. Macy was there, and the Santa Claus. Oh, uh, anyhow, so um, I was at a, a the cologne counter. And I was trying to figure out what am I going to get? I wanted something new and I don't want to spend a lot of money. And one of those like very nicely perfumed, beautiful, gorgeous men walked by who was like, would you like to try blah, 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 blah. Would you like to try Stanky by Jean-Paul something, something. And I'm like, yes, let me try it. Um, So then he was like taking me on this whole like epic trip through scents about different this thing has rutabaga, and this one has alfalfa plant. And I don't know. I'm just making it up. But I'm sorry. I'm it, sorry. Okay, this was, one has a, a, a note of rutabaga. Well, it's kind of maybe being a bit, you know, loquacious. But, um, yeah, Google loquacious. It's a good word. Um, anyway, so he was, like, selling me, selling me, selling me. And it was, it was the summertime. It was really hot. And in New York, it's like, like it is right now, you're sweating. It's hot. Right there's even in even in uh, air conditioning, so um, I got one and I remember it was blue color, and he said this this um, this scent is very good for the summer. It's got essence of grapefruit and vivita vivita and blah blah blah, and then he said, and it's very good for the summertime because it has a cooling effect on the skin. And then I thought, wait a minute, like wouldn't it have a cooling effect in the winter and then make you cold? <laughs> what does that mean? I was also test driving a hybrid once that had like a, an electric component to the car. Yep. And the guy said, oh, you know what? The interior light. I said, man, that the interior light sure is bright. And he's like, yeah, that's because it's a hybrid. And the extra electricity in the car makes the lights extra bright. Oh, man. <laughs> and I'm like. That's a rough one. Okay, dude. And yeah, I'm going to go. I'm not going to buy this car now. <laughs> so people, I don't know. They they got to do what they got to do. Yeah. And it works and um, they try it. So So the customer <laughs> asked for the next size and unfortunately they don't have the next size. The the other sweater they have is huge and oversized. <laughs> it's like, comically it, big. It's it is comically oversized. Uh and they're, so they're trying to get the small sweater off of him. He gets stuck. Uh, Mr. Humphreys, would you mind holding the customer's rear while I pull the front? With pleasure. <laughs> With pleasure. <laughs> and so they had this kind of uh, little, um, you know, back and forth going on. Uh, do you know what it, it visually reminded me of? Was, um, what? So there is an episode of Mama's Family when Mama gets hit on the head with a pot while they're all making jelly. And they... Everyone, each character tells the story from their own perspective, kind of like a Rochamon. And so there's a part in the scene that's integral to everything where she actually gets hit, mm. where Eunice, Naomi are struggling over the pot and they're trying to give it to Mama. And so there's the three of them like just kind of physically jostling back and forth. And it just looked yeah. like that with the three of them trying to get the sweater off of uh, this guy. We head. haven't talked about Mama's family before, have we? On the show? I don't think we ha- No, I don't think we have. So give it like a 20-word explanation, because if you're from Greece, you might not have heard of Mama's Family. Okay. Maybe you don't know what you're missing, or maybe it's a good thing you did, but... Okay, so Mama's Family <laughs> is a spinoff of The Carol Burnett Show, which was a sketch variety show in the 70s. Uh, Mama's Family uh, takes place in, um, in, in some fictional town, Raytown, in Missouri, and it's this 
story of this lower, you know, of this lower middle class grandmother, uh, her adult son who comes back to live with her after his divorce and his new wife and her grandson who fails out of juvenile hall. Who's really hunky. You think Bubba's hunky? Bubba is beautiful. But anyway, that's that's another time or place. And, and the nerdy next door neighbor, right? It is. It's a. It's a family sitcom. It's very southern um, too, which in Arkansas it was a very popular show, of course. But it's yeah. very like of a time and place. So yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so family. they they get the sweater off this guy's head, and he's lost his toupee in the process. Oh dear! What a kerfuffle! His, his undetectable toupee, and when. Um, when uh, when Mr. Humphreys finally recognizes or realizes that he's bald, he says, "Our Ada." Ding! Yeah, we get a was, ding. I did it right. Which was an exclamation that he introduced us to about two episodes. All ago. right. Which yeah. means heaven to Betsy. Which means nothing. Which means oh my gosh. That's what it who, means. Who the hell is Betsy? Oh. Um, so they finally um, they they find the toupee beat the dust out of it, put it back on his head, and unfortunately it's not quite as undetectable as it was before. That whole scene was sort of like, okay, I guess it's kind of like a filler, you know? like It was built up to this toupee joke, right? I guess. We had, we had all of the excuses to get them to sell the sweater, and then the the physical bit with the toupee. Okay, so I, I'll, I'll mention this. So what is the name of the guy who was 95 who, who started the Dick Van Dyke show? Uh, Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner died this week, and he was 95, and a lot of stuff on the radio and the TV and Facebook about Carl Reiner, and one of his favorite, famous episodes of The Dick Van Dyke Show, which is one of American America's classic TV shows. They say it's one yeah. of the best today, even. And you can find it all over the place, but the most famous episode, I think, at the time, it was the highest-rated show in 1950-whatever, was the episode where Carl Reiner's character... Who um, not only did he did he make the show, uh, but he also started as like a celebrity in he the had a show. Supporting, yeah, he had a supporting role, right? And he was bald. Carl Reiner was bald, and um, on the on the show he wore toupee. And the main character, uh, Dick Van Dyke's uh, wife on the show, Mary Tyler Moore, who is famous in her own right, she mistakenly admitted to the world on, within the show that the celebrity who is played by Carl Reiner is actually bald and he wears a toupee and she didn't mean to do it. So at the time, tee hee hee, toupees are like extremely funny. And I don't know, maybe it's just something that's overdone and I'm sort of like, okay, they're bald. So they have a hairpiece. Ha ha ha. I don't know. Maybe it just seems overplayed to me. But. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, it's not so much a thing anymore. Like when you get to be a man of a certain age these days, it's not really an uh, a popular option. Like you either go bald with dignity, or you get hair transplants, or you know? maybe hair pieces look more convincing. Maybe we just don't clock them to use a RuPaul word. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe. Anyway. Anyway, back over on the ladies' counter, Captain Peacock has got Mr. Rumbold because he's fed up with uh, Mrs. Slocum's insubordination at refusing to sell the uh, naughty knickers. Uh, and Brahms uh, lets it slip that Mrs. Slocum is thinking about resigning over it. Oh, boy. Uh, and we learned that she has offers at Harrods and Swan and Edgar. Swan and well. Edgar, that's right. That's right. Yeah. She, so um, we learned about that. Uh, there was a joke about Swan and Edgar, and we didn't know From what it series was. Series one, and, yeah, yeah. And super fan Jeff, the other Jeff, clued us in. It's like Swan and Edgar, and we're like, oh, that's right, because it's one of those things where, in, which happens in the show, where someone will say a word, but they're laugh like the the actor is laughing while they're saying it. So unless you already hear the word a lot, you don't really know what the phrases and as Americans yeah. 50 years later we're like what did they say so luckily the other Jeff was able to oh that's Swan and Edgar which was another department store in Piccadilly Circus so now we know thanks other yeah. Jeff uh, Mr. Granger chimes in because he's not a fan of Mrs. Slocum's uh, never <laughs> since uh, you know sales and trousers have gone down since the ladies department arrived three years ago um, and so Mrs. Slocum uh Re- rebuts that perhaps sales are down because he's past it. <gasps> uh, to which uh, Mr. Humphreys asks for a glass of water from Mr. Granger. 
Ding. Um, it works. Mrs. Slocum announces that she's going to storm off to see young Mr. Grace and put the matter before him, who arrives in the lift just as she's going How to see funny. him. Yeah. And so um, she's going to show him the naughty knickers, and Peacock distracts him with a silk handkerchief. Uh, Mrs. Slocum shows him the naughty knickers, and he stuffs it in his pocket like a pocket square. He prefers it. Um, so he doesn't even get to see. He doesn't know what the kerfuffle on the floor is about at all. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, young Mr. Grace announces that he wants to get remarried, and he's actually got his eye on someone at Grace Brothers, Ooh. and he will not reveal the name until he's told the lady his intentions. Right. Um, he then asks for Mrs. Silkham's arm because he wants a private word with her, and they arrange to meet in his office at 4 o'clock. <gasps> he, he wants to talk about a ring. Ooh. And everybody overhears. Um, and they all start to mutter about with each other, and they realize that if Mrs. Slocum marries young Mr. Grace, she'll be in charge of the whole store, and yeah. Mr. Granger will lose his trousers altogether. So what's so funny about this, and I was kind of alluding to this earlier in the podcast, Mrs. Slocum, in the beginning of the episode, she's like, I'm very strong, I'm forthright, you can't knock me down with a hurricane. And then all of a sudden, it seems like everyone's turning on her, except Miss Brahms. Um... So it's very interesting. So then everyone's like, even Mr. Humphreys, I think, is like, who's usually kind of her ally, is almost. He's neutral at best. Yeah, he's just, I mean, it's, they're, they're obviously setting something up. So then um, maybe Mr. Miss, young Mr. Grace is going to make her his wife. <gasps> so then the, this is where the acting of Molly Sugden comes in that's so cool. The superiority. The angle at which Washes her chin over her oh my god her chin is at the most elegant superior for upper class angle to the rest of the world it's so good like go yeah. back and watch this episode as we always say you should but just look at her she's so cool that actress is amazing but you know exactly what that character is thinking she says finally after all these years the Reality that I always knew I was has now actually come to realization. So yeah. cool. So cool. And this, and this is the point in the plot where the conflict presents itself to the, all of the characters. Yeah. And we see such a dramatic turn uh, <laughs> in, in, in her characterization. It's, it's just amazing. Um, why don't we head down to the canteen for a tea break? Ooh, what, we'll what, what are you going to get? I don't know what I should get. I don't know what I should get. I'm always at a loss for what I should order. Well, I've not been reminded of anything this episode so far. Um, cottage pie, whatever. Who knows? Right. But uh, let's get something, and we'll come right back after a quick tea break. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. All right, well, the canteen is as it always is. It was depressingly gross. I had a uh, bit of sardine on a tired bit of lettuce. What about you, Jeff? Fairy cake. Excuse me? How <laughs> dare you? Very funny. So we're back. We're so what back. was going on? What was going on in the episode? We're back. And so they're all starting to confer with each other and... Um, because Mrs. Mrs. Slocum's about to become like Mrs. Grace, right? Mrs. Grace, right. And so someone asks her, you know, are you going to say yes? And she goes, we don't wish to make any comment at the moment. She's already using we. And she's so, she's like, get me a chair, Miss Brahms. Right. 
Because she can't be, she can't, she can't stand anymore because her people don't stand, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas are, uh, I'm sorry, um, Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms are discussing it. Um, he's very old. He's got to be past it. And Mrs. Slocum's like, yeah, I'm not even, I'm not sure if that's a pro or a con. Um, <laughs> and she says that he's only about 70, but he certainly does not look 70. They, they make him to look, be a lot older than that. Um, yeah. Mrs. Slocum is um, very passively, aggressively saying that she wishes there were time for her to get her hair done up in uh, the Continental Beauty Salon with Madame Beryl. That's right. Madame Beryl's Continental Beauty Salon, sponsor of this program. Thank you, Madame Beryl. And so um, (laughs) they actually give her time off, have an extra lunch to go and get her hair done, Uh, which considering that Mr. Lucas couldn't get half a day off with a cold... Is you know they're really kowtowing to her and totally. really trying to uh, you know to butter her up about this. Um, do you remember department stores having hair salons? Yeah, when I was a kid, there was a J.C. Penney in the little town I lived in, and there was like a salon in there. But that was like we didn't have a mall or anything like in my town, so it was sort of like I don't know. Is, was that a thing? Was that like an old-fashioned kind of thing back then? It, it, it was an old-fashioned thing, but I also remember JCPenney specifically having um, hair salons. Mm, um, yeah. I know the one near to where I live now had one uh, up until very recently. Uh, JCPenney actually shut theirs down uh, across the entire country uh, just three years ago in 2017. Well, JCPenney's is um, no more, right? It's It's gone. Right. No, no, I think it's still around. I think it's like hanging on to its last oh, okay. like breaths. Right. Um, but I mean, department stores used to have lots more departments, right? There used <laughs> yeah. to always be an optical department. There used to be a cafe or a restaurant. Uh, some of them had travel departments, a travel agency. I remember those. Yeah. And um, just over the years, they've faced a lot of pressure from competitors from um, from discount places like Kmart or from hypermarkets like Target or from specialty stores like um, Best Buy for Electronics. Yeah. And um, Yeah, the glory the, days of know, department door, stores kind of seems to have long, gone long away. Gone. Yeah. You know, not to, not to mention obviously online retail. Um, well, I, I think like like I was going to say like like I said because there was no mall where I grew up, it was sort of like a mini mall almost, you know, a department store, like everything you wanted under one roof. And that, that way you right. hold the customers, which we learned from Grace Brothers. You hold their attention. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a different – the world's changing, Jeff. It's a different world now. So was, was catalog shopping a big thing where you grew up uh, um, because there weren't um, shopping malls nearby? Um, I suppose so. I mean, I was like – a good two hours away from like a city. So I was kind of isolated. Um, I do remember maybe everyone, maybe the unanimous remembers too. um, JC Penny catalogs around Christmas time, around the holidays, huge. I remember my grandmother, like, all right, here's the catalog circle, what you want. Like that's how she would shop. Of course, this is before the internet, which for some of you, that's that's hard to remember. That's that's where I'm going with it. You know, I think one of the reasons, I think one of the reasons why, um, the traditional department stores haven't been able to keep up with all of their competitors is because they haven't had a good online presence, right? If you try to buy something from the online store of a traditional department store, um, like a Macy's or a Sears yeah. or a JCPenney, it is a terrible navigation experience. Um, and it's also really difficult to execute the purchase. Like, it requires a lot of clicks, sometimes duplicate information, and it's just not, you know, they, they weren't able to keep up. Um, Jeff is unanimous think, in that, people. Uh, I am very unanimous in that. Um, how do you think <laughs> Grace Brothers would be faring uh, in the Internet age? Oh, you know, it's funny because they did the 2016 version of Are You Being Served, which deserves its own episode, and we're going to talk about it. We will watch it. Don't worry, everyone. You're all worried about it. But um, we've actually gotten comments about, like, are you guys going to cover it? Are you going to get to the uh, Australia version? We'll get to it all. We're doing one episode a week. (laughs) But um, that one, when they remade it in, in 2016, 
and they actually had an African American, well, a black um, English guy uh, play right. Mr. Lucas's part, which I thought was very progressive. Um, well, that, 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 was set, that episode was set in the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. So like, we kind of got a little glimpse of what it was like, but apparently exactly the same as the 70s, which is kind of part of the right. joke. But Highly yeah, I mean, changed at all. Yeah, even, even if you go to London, which I know you go to all the time, um, if you go Used to the to. build... Well, yeah, like everyone. No. Stay inside. But if you go to... Um, I forgot the street it's on in London. It's right in central London where Simpsons is... Um, the building that inspired Grace Brothers, and now it's like a fancy bookstore. What's that, fa- oh. that fancy bookstore called? Um, no idea. If anyone has been to the Sim- the former site of the Simpsons department store in London, I have a photo of me in front of it. But it'd be really cool if we could see. Oh, it's a it's a Waterstones. Waterstones, that's what it's called. What what yeah. which street is that on? Does it say? It's on German Street. That's what it is. Um, which is right near Savile Row. Yeah. That's so it probably was like, the street you were thinking Savile of, Row yeah. was like super fancy, you know, very nice. Um, but it, yeah, anyway, so if you've gone to Simpsons, the site of Simpsons, and there's actually a little plaque like embedded in the marble just before you get to the actual shop itself. Um, they don't mention are you being served, or do they? I don't remember. Maybe they do. But apparently Simpsons, I think, was one of the first department stores, perhaps. I, I don't remember the historical significance of it. But, you know, if you've gone, if you've, if you've flown all the way to London or taken the train, um, just to do an homage, a pilgrimage to <laughs> Simpsons to take your photo in front of what would have actually been Grace Brothers, post it on our Facebook. We'd love to see it. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Maybe that's an episode, yeah. like shops in London that inspired Grace Brothers. That would be interesting. Or, or, or mentioned in Grace Swan Brothers. And they Edgar. do mention some real lives, Swan and Edgar. And they're making very um, interesting offers, indeed. Overtures, excuse me. <laughs> right. From the piano From department. From the piano department, um, of course. <laughs> um, Mr. Granger, um, uh, not only is Mrs. Slocum uh, getting uh, extra time to have her hair done, but they're also letting her pick out a dress to go visit... Um, <laughs> Uh, Miss Young Mr. Grayson because she can't be seen in her uniform oh, to no. get proposed to. The biggest yeah. to-do for this one thing. Yeah. So Mr. Grange offers the superior fitting room with two-way mirror um, and uh, they remind her to pick out something that's suitable for the occasion and Mr. Lucas suggests a pair of novelty knickers that say Opportunity knocks, which is hysterical. And the face that Mrs. Slocum makes is priceless yeah, it, it's that like almost co- what's the, what is it the uh, the japanese paintings of like the samurai with like the grimacing faces um she reminds she's like me she's of, scowling at him really yeah. really hard you know because it's it's ending a scene so they freeze um on that scowl so you don't get to hear her um fight back or admonish him yeah so uh, when the scene returns it's 3 30 p.m and mrs locum still isn't back from her long break brunch break and hair appointment and they're still trying to figure out um, if Mrs. Slocum is actually going to go through with it. And if she does, will she inherit it when um, Mr. Grace um, passes away? And so, you know, they're asking around, do we know if he has any relations? And um, someone identifies, yeah, there's only old Mr. Grace, but he doesn't get out very much. Which is the first time we hear this catchphrase. Oh, yes. Because we don't meet we don't meet old Mister Grace until probably about season eight, um, which is also, by the way, one of the worst makeup jobs in the history. Of they were happy television. to have some spirit gum and cotton balls, basically back then. But yeah, yeah old Mister Grace wasn't he wasn't the greatest. Young Mister Grace is the great. And I will say this later on in this episode. I think this episode is the most young Mister Gracey episode. Of them all. Like, we get, we actually get, like, camera time with this guy. Right? Well, there's the This Is Your Life episode, or This Is Your Store. Oh, yeah. But we know we do get an awful lot of camera time. We kind of get to know who he is in this episode. Yeah, because he's not just coming in deus ex machina at the end, right? Right. So. Never mind, um, everyone. You've all done very well. The end. (laughs) Um,. Mr. Humphreys talks about going to a fancy dress party over the weekend, and he went as the Red Shadow. Oh, but before which, you go there, before um, you go, let me just say, I love how this scene opens up, because it's him 
and Mr. Lucas. And Mr. Lucas says something like, so what'd you do last week? Or what'd you do last night? Excuse me, what'd you do last night? And then um, Mr. Humphrey says, I don't think I'm going to tell you. And then it it forces Mr. Lucas to be like, go on, it's not like you're not going to tell me. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) It was so passive aggressive and cute. I love that little interaction. Why was he mad at Mr. Lucas again? There's he didn't want to let him into his confidence for I don't some know. reason. It's just, like I think he like gave him like a little insult. But it came across as very feminine to me and almost like something your mom might do. You know, like that kind of like passive aggressive Go, goading into like oh go on tell me. Like kind of thing. Well, like I don't know. I'm not speaking for my mother, but I can see like someone who you're really familiar with and Maybe he was, maybe Mr. Humphreys was a little bit put off by something and he's kind of taking it out. Do you know what I mean? On Mr. Uh, Lucas. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. It was cute. So um, he went to uh, said uh, fancy dress party or costume party as the Red Shadow. And Mr. Lucas asked if he used cocoa for blackface. Absolutely not. I used overnight tan and then put my head in the oven for five minutes on Regulo 2. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a little questionable that um, blackface was even mentioned here as something common because it was relatively common in the 70s to do as a costume and people didn't perceive it as um, anything negative. Well, I'll say non-black folk didn't perceive it as anything negative. I think it's always been perceived negative, but... yeah but you know there's that whole episode where they do blackface in the in the very end sequence of i think it's roots Roots, yeah um which is a whole other you know we'll we'll have a we'll have the blackface conversation when the but no this is this is definitely blackface right here so you don't see it but they're certainly talking about it so that's no good yeah and of Um, course regulo 2 of course is the the temperature setting of the Regulo brand oven, which was very popular. So it's about, what, 300 degrees or so. About 300 Fahrenheit, yeah. Um, So he tells a story about how he gets lost in the neighborhood and ends up getting put in the back of a police car. Uh, And uh, Mr. Lucas questions why he got put in the back of a police car. So you try walking around Golders Green at midnight, dressed as an Arab, knocking on random doors. Yeah, this was interesting. Um, I'll say um, we we should probably describe... The costume. So he took some curtains from his mother's spare room or something, which it kind of it's like the the funny joke in like old TV shows, like oh I had some leftover leftover curtains, so I made a costume out of it, right? Right. It's it's like one of the most famous sketches from the Carol Burnett show is when they did a parody of Gone with the Wind, and Carol Burnett comes out with the curtains on her. With the curtain rod still hanging, I saw it in the window and I simply had to have it. Like, <laughs> that is so good. Hysterical. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, just Google um, it and it's like worth your time to watch. Um, what would you call it? Gone with the Wind, Carol Burnett. Car- Gone with the Wind, Carol yeah. Burnett, yeah. So anyway, so he made his that. costume uh, and he took his house slippers and he pointed the toes by holding it over the heater and curled them up. Like, how would you do... Are your, are your shoes made of wax? I don't know. But... Well, if, if you picture whatever, think of your childhood storybook and however Alibaba and the 40 Thieves was, was drawn yeah. or characterized, that's what he dressed as. Basically. Yeah, and yeah, so it's just, um, it was interesting because he talks about going around this neighborhood and I don't really know which neighborhood he's, he was in. So, yeah, so this is, this is really interesting because... He says, you try walking around Golders Green at midnight. And as soon as he said the neighborhood, it got a huge laugh from the audience. And the reason that is, is because Golders Green is a neighborhood in Barnet in North London with a very large Jewish population. Okay. Uh, Mr. Humphreys didn't end up going to jail because one of the policemen stayed for Sherry and showed him how his handcuffs worked. If that is not... I think that is the most sexual that Mr. Humphreys has ever been in the entire series run. But he's not, though. I mean, he's being shown how these handcuffs work. What do you think that means? Vague enough to be innocent. <laughs> That's why he's so cute. <laughs> but I will just say, just to put a fi- underline it, 
the idea of him being dressed up as a quote Arab, which he doesn't look Arab like with cocoa on his and all, and it's a stupid joke, but it's interesting the idea of him walking around a Jewish neighborhood and being picked up by the police because he started knocking on random doors. Uh, Black Lives Matter. I'm thinking of like a color, a person of color walking around in a neighborhood in London in 1975 would be stopped by the police. Like that, that just feels weird, especially in the times we're in right now. So, yeah, weird. Indeed. Um, Mr. Slocum still isn't back from lunch, and Mr. Granger uh, turns down a customer, and he's just hanging out by the center display stand <laughs> uh, because he's waiting to tell Mrs. Slocum how nice her hair looks. And as soon as he hears the elevator and her footsteps, oh, your hair looks very nice, Mrs. Slocum, doesn't even see what yeah. it is. He just wants <laughs> to get that compliment in to be the first one. Um, she's trying to choose a dress, and uh, Miss Brahms is trying to convince her to pick a brown one because it's very dignified and it doesn't show the green. No, I don't understand that. I joke. thought it was funny. Well, because Miss Brahms is not, um, doesn't understand. Uh, the social setting in which uh, young Mr. Grace operates. So she's thinking just very practical about her clothes. And if you spill something on yourself at tea time. Oh, um, that makes so much yeah. more sense. I thought gravy was like referring to her like chunky belly or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was. No. But now that makes a lot more no. sense because, yeah, when yeah. you're like maybe – of the milieu of Miss Brahms, maybe you're much more worried about getting your clothes dirty because you probably don't have a laundromat or like a, a washing room or whatever that someone right. in the upper crust might because, eh, yeah. interesting. Um, and so Mrs. Slocum starts talking about uh, how the entire floor is going to need to be <laughs> She's already taken over. I can't abide mucky paint. I can't paint. abide I, mucky I, paint. So funny. Yeah. Really, really great. And she's starting to really turn up that received pronunciation. Like, you don't hear any North in her at all in the entire second half of the episode. And that's true, because before um, Mr. Grace makes his appearance on the episode, she talks about, uh, what's that very Northern phrase she said? Um, I think she said, me counter or something. Like, she said me instead of my, which is kind of lower class or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Mrs. Slocum is trying on the dresses and she comes out in a wedding dress, <laughs> which is uh, hysterical to think that she's actually going to show up to her, um, to her proposal already in the wedding dress. And she's just the cat she's that like, caught no, the cream. She's like eating it up, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, she knows. She obviously knows she's not going to do it. She just wanted to try it on because it makes me feel young and innocent. To which Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock says, a oh, it's a remarkable garment indeed. indeed. <laughs> so I have to p- jump in. So I always talk about my friend Jimmy. So he's an old friend of mine. An old, old friend of mine. Sorry, Jimmy. Um, joking there, dear. Um, but he and I will talk, are you being served to each other? So I remember Heidi, one of our super fans, who was a first guest host, um, we were talking about on that episode um, way back when, about how you can talk, are you being served to people? Which is basically, oh, that does suit madam. You know, like, we know what that means. We talked about that in the first episode, that if Jeff, if Jeff walked up wearing a funny hat, and he'd say, do you like my hat? Is it me? And then I would say, oh, that does suit madam. Obviously, I don't like it. And because I'm saying it because, you know, it, we know what that means. So I think two phrases... A remarkable garment indeed. Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock mentions that several times in the series. That's why it got a bell. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get more attention to the bell. He feels, they feel very they, left out. They, they, they know what the catchphrase but is. But what was the other one? The, the, these are super fans. They know what to expect. For the children, Jeff, for the children. They've been looking forward to hearing him say a remarkable garment indeed for the first time as well. And I'll just say, like, that's one of the things that my friend Jeff and I will say all the time to each other. And, like, we're talking about Donald Trump and, like, oh, my God, did you see the thing? A remarkable garment indeed, (laughs) you know. So up in um, up in Mr. Grace's office, Miss um, Robinson from the Julie department brings in the rings, and Mr. Mash serves the tea uh, in Cockney rhyming slang. That's Rosie Lee. By oh, the way. I didn't notice that. Um, Here's the tea, Rosie and, Lee. Huh. Yeah, 
And so Mrs. Slocum and young Mr. Grace are talking about marriage and how it's, you know, good for him to settle down. You know, if you, um, if you go on vacation, you take your yacht to the Caribbeano, you'll only have young girls all over you because you're rich. And Mr. Grace is like, will I? Oh, his will little they? face he's is all so excited. cute. He lights up and he's all excited Which is a lot it. for that actor. I want to say the so, Carabino. Is that just her mispronouncing something? That's her. That's yeah. all her. Yeah. So cute. Um, so young Mr. Grace lets out that he's uh, brought her to his office to choose a ring. And immediately she goes, that big one right there. She picks it out. <laughs> yeah. She knows what she's looking for. Um, but it wasn't supposed to be for her. It was for Miss Robinson. Aww. But um, but Miss Slocum talked him out of it because she's put him off the idea of marriage um, because you know he wants to go look after, you know, go chase after young girls. Uh, he calls up the news department and asks for a subscription to Yachting Times and says, you know, thank you, Mrs. Slocum. You know, when you get to my age in life, sometimes you need the help of an older woman. How scandalous that Mr. Grace thinks that Mrs. Slocum is older than he is. Oh, well, it's so. It's, I will say again, Molly Sugden, so sweet. Like in American TV these days, there'd be like a giant studio audience going. There'd be an awe oh, break, which would have just kind of ruined it. I think it was so delicate and sweet. How Mrs. Slocum, Molly Sugden, had the most. Disappoint the, the idea of disappointment yeah. is difficult to emote, and she did it so well. And I just feel so bad for Mrs. Slocum in the scene. Yeah, because young young Mr. Grace asks, "Is there anything else?" And she's like, "Crestfallen, absolutely." Is. I don't think crest. That's a great word. Great word. And then she it. drops the ring on the little display thing because it's not hers. Yeah. Oh, poor Mrs. Slocum. It's not anyone's, yeah. right? So she returns to the department, still a little dejected, and they all applause for her. And she realized this is she is going to take her moment and, to shine. Like she's going to milk it for all. And I just want to say again, as she comes down the lift, and she, the lift doors open, her little hands are clasped together, and her little yeah. head is sort of at an angle, and she's looking down like a little girl who lost her dog or something, and her yeah. descending the steps. Oh my God! Your heart breaks. I mean, it's a it's a sad episode in a way. I mean, it's very funny, but it's so sad to see this. And this is kind of why this episode's so cool to me is that it really is a sad kind of thing, which s- suddenly is changed. Actually, right? She's actually acting. She's not just you know telling jokes and doing yeah, physical yeah, comedy yeah. and slurring her her so sad. Pepper, right? Oh. So um, and of course she sees she all of her friends them, from work all waiting for her. So before she makes the announcement, she wants to get two things clear. uh, That Mr. Granger doesn't object to the ladies' department on the floor, and Captain Peacock will not tell her to display goods that she doesn't approve Mm -hmm. of. And so they've got that clear, and uh, they ask, well, when's the happy day? And she says, today, I turned him down. And then final credits roll. And then stops... And stomps off back to her department, and the credits roll. Uh, and that proud northern kind of slight chip on your shoulder kind of thing comes back out. You know, like she thought she was going to be Lord Muck, as the British say, or Lady Muck, I guess. Um, but no, it didn't work out like that. And you kind of have a feeling that that yeah. has happened to her a lot in the past. Well, yeah, I mean, she stood around the, the dance floor of the Pally for yeah. 20 minutes and no one asked her to dance, you know? Um, but in the end credits, we see her looking not as dejected, almost a little smug because at the end of the day, she was better off than when she started because she doesn't have to sell the, um, ah, the drawers. And she has that she has that little bit of respect gained from her And she got a little bit of power and, you know. Yeah. And I've always said, like, in, in a lot of episodes in the past – What's cool about the show, and it's a microcosm. Grace Brothers is a whole world unto itself. And um, everyone is basically the same. Everyone's kind of on the same level. But because the the world in which they live, all they have to do is be better relative to the people on the floor. Right? A micro step above your And in the outside world, it means nothing. But if you spend your days with these people... That's going to make her feel a little bit superior, which is a big thing. Um, so that was an interesting point. I didn't think about that. 
Yeah. What yeah. a good episode. I think it's great. This is a really good one for acting dramatic. And I, we don't get a lot of opportunity that, in that, to see that on the show, right? Yeah. Um, next week, though, we're going to get a little bit of dancing because next week is German week. <laughs> say it in German. I don't know how so, to so excited. Das so, Deutschland so Samanos. I don't know. Um, die Deutsche Volke? Yeah. Something, something like that. Something. Die, yeah. I, I don't know the, the correct uh, case or, or gender. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the episode, folks. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Woo-hoo. I will say and German so, Week is probably one of the most famous, beloved episodes. Wouldn't you say? I think it is the quint. I think it's the quintessential Are You Being Served episode. I mean, there's a reason why it served as the pilot and the model for Beans of Boston. And it was the first episode of Are You Being Served Australia? Australia. Yeah. And uh, when they did the stage version in Blackpool, um, that it was um, the, uh, that was the, one of the main scenes that they did for that one as well. Um, so cool. Definitely, I think, what this is, the entire uh, show is known for. And... We get to see Joanna Lumley again, which is always a treat. Yes, we uh, we love. We're a pro Joanna Lumley podcast. So, um, listen, folks, we appreciate you getting in touch to us. Uh, if you want to do it again or be the first time, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have Facebook that does suit Madam. Um, we have a Twitter does suit Madam, and of course, there's an E at the end of the e, Madam because we're British uh, adjacent here. Uh, <laughs> with an uh, ocean between us. Um, you can email us. The new old-fashioned way is an email at thatdoessuitmadam, with an E, at gmail.com. Or you can call the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. If you don't like to spell on your phone, which I don't, it's 662-732-2625. There we go. So another good episode. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Unanimous. Thanks, everyone. You've, You've all, all done, done very well. well. We forgot about that in the last episode, didn't we? So. You've all done very well. See you next time. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Seatbacks and tray tables must be in the upright position.